Good morning. This is our DOLW Podcast 30. This is the Diocese of Lansing Watcher Podcast 30, May the 4th, 2021. We have our guest, Randy Engel, Right of Sodomy. It's the, the written word of Randy Engel. We're at page 811. This is our shorty. We'll introduce shorties occasionally. We're going to try to keep this right to 15 minutes. I ask you, uh, first of all, I tell you, our vision is growing, so we're testing different ways to use our voice. Question, why would Randy Engel spend 17 years of her life on this journalism, this effort? 17 years of her life. Where do you think it was in the level of importance in her life? She's Catholic. What did she learn? She doesn't have to be Catholic. She could come at it from the approach of simply curiosity. She could come at it from the approach of the dimension of love, charity, which I think that's where it's at. Is she dwelling in the dimension of charity? Is she trying to build up? Her detractors are going to say, oh, no, she comes from the dimension of hatred. She fails in her love. She's trying to destroy. Well, let's take a look at that. I think when you're looking at what she's doing here, we'll read it. Think about what is the duty of a bishop? Does Randy Engel know something that you don't know or I don't know? Are you or I on a low-info diet, purposely put on a low-info diet? So we have to start with what is the duty of a bishop that Randy Engel may have 20-20 vision on? The duty of a bishop to proclaim truth and aid you in your transformation through faith into another Jesus Christ, incorporated into the body of Christ. That's the duty of a bishop. The duty of the bishop is to proclaim truth and to aid you in your transformation in this faith, to grow deeper into the faith. You are baptized into the body of Christ, to live a moral life and to perfect that moral life. The next thing is our bishop as a spiritual director. Maybe Randy Engel believes that, that he's a spiritual director. We'll talk a little bit about spiritual directors. The bishop is the chief priest of the local church. The local church is known as the diocese. So your deacon is a clergyman. He's the, say, first third. He's the deacon is the first step to becoming a priest. Your priest, as you know it, is the second step of becoming a priest. He's two-thirds there. The bishop is the fullness of the priesthood. The rest of the titles, cardinals, archbishops, are part of the political state. Catholicism is both a nation and a state. Did you know that? We are a nation state, and our official mother tongue is Latin. If you come from Poland, your mother tongue would be Polish. Italy, it's Italian. In Rome, there is a nation-state. Another nation-state would be Singapore. In Rome, there is a nation-state city, Vatican. The Vatican. The head of that nation-state is the Pope. The Pope is also the bishop of the Diocese of Rome. Rome is in Italy. Rome has a diocese, and the bishop of that diocese happens to be the Pope. So it has twin roles. St. John of the Cross 
has some, we'll talk about him on some spiritual, on spiritual direction and poor spiritual directors. There are good spiritual directors. There are poor spiritual directors. And we'll go over some of that when we'll pick up on the, on the idea of the wood and the transformation that these spiritual directors are to be doing with the soul, be working with the soul, proclaiming truth, relieving suffering, and uh, restraining malevolence. So we'll see. Do you see this happening when Randy Angle's proclaiming truth about the clergy, staff? They cannot exist without clergy and staff good clergy and staff doing nothing not to mention the ones who are in this uh, collusion coming together and doing their thing so when you're reading Randy Angles think about that and know that uh, that there is she's using her voice and that's what we're about using our voices let me begin at page 811 Bishop Daniel Ryan Diocese of Springfield Illinois and think in terms of the duties. Think in terms of <coughs> the selection. Remember, their vocation, if it's valid, I have chosen you. You've not chosen me, God says. That's a, that they have chosen. They've been chosen by God. And they are to respond. If they've been chosen by God, and if they respond, what does this look like? Does this look like someone who's proclaiming truth, is interested in aiding your transformation? Here it is. Page 811. The case against Bishop Daniel Leo Ryan is one of the best documented homosexual scandals involving a bishop of the American hierarchy. Roman Catholic faithful has produced volumes of testimony, including eyewitness accounts that expose Ryan as a predatory homosexual prelate and a corrupter priest in his care. Let me digress here. You understand when a bishop ordains a priest, there is some thought process. He's, he is as a father begotting new life in the church. A priest. So it's a father to his son. Those priests he ordained, they are his sons. He's going to have that image. So remember, when you, when we're here in the Lansing Diocese, we have a problem with our parish priest. And we're taking it to the bishop. We're taking a problem to the bishop about one of his spiritual sons. And when you have difficulty, it's not insurmountable, but it's going to be a heavy burden. When you, you think that his son is lying. Remember Eli. Eli was indifferent. So a whole history of indifference to his. You think of Eli as the bishop. He's actually like an archbishop, chief priest. And his sons were <coughs> taking the wealth of the church in the form of the best price pieces of offered uh, sacrifices. And they were having illicit sex. So think about that. Chances are the bishop is going to side with his son. This is why it's important. When the staff, when your parish priest sides with the staff and the staff side with the parish priest, and it, it, whether or not it's true or not, maybe motivated many, many different motivations, they're perpetuating the same thing that and what the bishop has taught when he sides with his priest. It's not insurmountable. It's just a fact. Take that as a fact. When you're doing advocacy, when you're doing voice lessons, you know, you can clutch your pearls, start to cry, and leave the church. Or you can stay and know this is this is what we have to play with. There's a good book out called The uh, Two Years Under the Mast. It will tell you about a son who sails on a ship that is owned by his father, and the, ma and the captain of the ship 
is a cruel man, a cruel captain, profit-driven. As the result of that son's voice, writing and journaling, the uh, merchant marine, the law changed. The merchant marine code of the merchant marine changed to uh, bring about some semblance of law and order to the merchant marine, which was a sailing ship at that time. Two years under the mast. There's a movie about it, too. It's so, and that's where your voice can change. Change the way things are going on. But know what you're up against. So let's continue. A predatory homosexual prelate and a corrupter of priests in his care. Nevertheless, Bishop Bryan is still officially listed as Bishop Emeritus of the Springfield Diocese. On March the 19th, 2002, I got to go back to that. In our own diocese, we have, or in our own Michigan, we have the Gaylord Diocese. I'd like to share with you some thoughts of voices out there that uh, were part of the Watcher podcast here that you have a priest and a bishop, and the priest whistleblows, and, and they side, the, the bishop sides with, uh, not with the whistleblower, not with the, the, the man, the, the young priest who's saying, hey, the guy you put me over, I'm with, is patting me, touching me inappropriately. Now, if you have any, any idea, the, some of these men who are ordained, they lack common sense and insight. So when Bishop Reich sided with his uh, <clears throat> senior priest against the whistleblower, and the whistleblower was the one that was laid off, set out, and the whistleblower was removed from the diocese, Bishop Reich goes to Birmingham, home of EWTN, and he gets a bunch of, he gets a, a spread in our faith magazine. Listen, when management, my experience working with unions and working with, uh, in Michigan here, working with uh, management and employees, when, when you have a lower level manager sexually um, harassing an employee, and the general manager comes along, the big boss comes along and sides with the manager and will not listen to that employee. It's open season. That's what it means. It's open season. That first line manager now knows that the general manager will back him up and he, he, it encourages him to be more robust in his activity. So if you had problems before and you squealed and you said, hey, I'm, I want to I, I wanna tell you that the, my immediate boss... Say I'm in a hotel housekeeper, and I'm a housekeeper. And they removed me from 40 hours to, to 20 hours. And the thought process is I'll go back to 40 hours if I do certain favors. And I, and I, and I, I take that to the general manager. I put it and say, hey, I got a problem here. And they, and they don't back me up as the employee. Remember, I got four kids at home. I'm female. I have no education. I'm now, I am just meat hanging. Because the general manager is backing up. It's the same thing, I would argue, when Rika did what he did. And then they put, him, uh, put Rika in a, at a spread in the Faith magazine. They never ask us our opinion. We dissent from that. They, that's, oh, what, if you're a young seminarian, we're going to probably do a guidebook. Because the seminarian's been chosen by God. It's not him. But when he's been chosen and he graduates and he goes into, the, into that environment and you're moms and dads, maybe we should have a guide for moms and dads to say, are you aware of that? 
are you now aware that 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 under the Rika doctrine, the general manager, that's the bishop, will back his senior priest versus the young seminarian? Under what circumstances will he not do that? That's an interesting question. So think about that because that's what I think motivates Randy Engel when she's doing all this and she's thinking about this. She sees that, and that's connecting the dots. This is not, this is ecclesial corruption. And it doesn't end with these individuals. It's not ancient history where we put it in a book and put it in a museum piece and let dust gather out. This is alive. It's alive now. You just have to open your eyes. So let me continue. On March the 19th, 2002, at the Cathedral of St. Raymond in, in Joliet, Illinois, on the occasion of the ordination of James E. Fitzgerald as Auxiliary of Joliet, and in the presence of Francis Cardinal George of Chicago and dozens of fellow bishops, the disgraced Ryan acted as co-consecrator with his protector, Joseph Imish, Bishop of Joliet, as principal consecrator. The event was witnessed by 80 deacons, 160 priests, and nearly 30 bishops with a Knights of Columbus Honor Guard and hundreds of parishioners. Ironically, Bishop Imesh's homily included an impromptu prayer for the victims of clerical sex abuse. It's just hypocrisy. You know, it's beyond hypocrisy, and it's a caste system. You know, there's caste systems, Google that, caste systems in India, where the upper class, the lower class, and the untouchables. We're untouchables in certain cases. I would say that I am. I'd say Teresa and John are in our own parish, untouchables, in exile, because we raised our voice. We used our voice. So you have a caste system. Beyond hypocrisy means there's the elites. These are Catholic elites. These are big fish, big clerical fish, and big fish eat little fish. That's the natural law. That's why we need law and protection of a good-hearted chief shepherd. So do you have that protection? Father Cohen didn't have that protection. Others didn't have that protection. And these are public cases. Big fish eat little fish. And our voices are about raising, our voices are going to share with you how little fish can collectively raise their voices and protect themselves from the big fish that the Elis, the Bishop Elis, the indifferent bishops, cannot do. They, they admit that. That's why they say call 911. They admit their governance. They cannot effectively govern that problem. So let me continue. No incident recounted in this chapter better illustrates the need for a top-to-bottom housecleaning of Amchurch than Ryan's official role at the Fitzgerald ordination. Bishop Ryan's climb up the ecclesiastical ladder is a tribute to the power of homosex in opening doors to the corridors of power within Am Church. All right, I'm going to do a digression here. I'm still on 811. I got one paragraph. Let me conclude with spiritual direction. John of the Cross. Let me introduce you to this. It's going to be layered, so I'm going to go very slow and easy, and I will conclude with the future podcast. But just today, understand and he's known for this. John of the Cross is known for this. Your soul is like green wood coming to God when God touches it. There are contrary natures going on. Your clergy spend years studying what in philosophy and theology what a nature is. Uh, it, it, God exists. We know a lot about God. There's a lot we don't know about God, but we can tell many things about God. His nature is contrary to our nature. And when he touches our nature, substantially touches our nature, it's painful because, because it's like the fire to the log. 
That's why it's so important when, when they, 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 that our diocese, without hearing our voices, gives acolytes to Bishop Rika. These guys that are clergy leaders have no experience with dealing in business when you have a general manager, you have a lower level manager, and you have sexual that hitting on them, and the person who's being hit on complains, and, and they don't sustain it. They don't even do anything. They, in fact, if anything, they pat the guy on the back, and they'll say something like, well, it's not substantiated. That's open season, guys. You just may, They'll be more aggressive, not less aggressive, in my opinion. So now we get into John the Cross and your father. When Bishop Barron says the, the, the polls say that the youth are not put off by the scandal, well, these probably are low-info youth, and you haven't explained to them what's going on. And the second thing is, number one thing is, polls are not our teachers. Jesus Christ is our teacher. The church is our teacher, legitimate church teaching, not filtered stuff. And so when Bishop Barron says that, it's sad because it shows the depth or the lack of of formation in this particular area. No matter, Eli was very smart. His son, he's chief priest at uh, Shiloh. You don't get there being a dummy. Good speaker, just like Baron. Remember, you're good speakers. We got a good speaker in our diocese. They're like athletes. They're not soldiers. When you present to the special forces, you can be all muscled up, six-packed abs, and be a great athlete and go through special forces training and be eliminated you don't have what it takes. You don't have the endurance. You're not a soldier. You're not committed to the battle. You're not a warrior. You don't know who the enemy is. You're a great athlete. You can run. You can walk and talk as an athlete. None. You get a uniform on and non-military people will see you and think, wow, what a great soldier. No. And you'll hear people critique. Some men are, are only athletes, even though they sneak in the military. Some sneak in the military and they're a soldier only in in the uh, in the barracks inside the fort when they go out into combat they don't function well they just can't function well and there is this battle going on between satan who's trying to uh, uh who's had an attack on jesus christ and is fighting will not serve our father and you're in the middle of that you're whether you want it or not you're in the middle of this so you have this contrary god touching the soul contrary there will be pain that's what we talk about, this log. So you t go by the poles, you have cut off God from diffusing into so many people. That's why the bishop has to, it, it, the bishop understands the participation of God. Okay, there's one priesthood and we participate in it. We all participate in it. Think of the one priesthood of Jesus Christ as fire. You put your poker in the fire it's going to get hot the bishop's poker in the fire there's a variety of gifts that are distinguishable you can't do a consecration but the fire you take away the the jesus that's trying to penetrate and diffuse in your life is the same jesus being diffused in the life of the bishop a variety of gifts so when they suppress you when our parish priest suppressed innocence he's suppressing jesus christ this is not about personalities like bill Therese. John this is about Jesus Christ perfusing himself into the into the church into society so it's no light thing no light thing and all we want is our voices heard and they don't want those voices you know why because there's a natural law about diffusion but there's also a natural law about con your conscience it bugs their conscience 
And how can you argue against the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit determined that it's important that we have corruption at the top, losing God? Bishop Barron doesn't talk about that. Eli, Phineas, and Hopney. That stands for corruption at the top of the church, literally losing the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant, there was the law. God was present there. But there was the law. There was the rod of Moses. And there was manna from heaven. Think about that. When you lose that ark, you lose those three things too. And what do you have? You have people talking about, oh, you're too legalistic. You have people denying the Eucharist, okay? And you have the rod is the faith. You have low in full faith. You'd like you cut the rod in half. No, no, no. So getting back to these spiritual directors, some of them, they're very limited in their stages. Some of them can go into the forest and only cut the wood. Some of them can drag the wood from the forest to be prepared in spiritual direction for the others who come and take the bark off the wood. Others can come into the wood, come to the wood after the bark is taken off and begin to carve hewn, H-E-W and hewn rough features. Other carvers can come in and put more delicate features. Then there are others who can begin, remember you shape the wood, then the others begin to apply paint color. They're beginning to change the feature by painting things, a rough coat. Then they begin to paint in details like eyes, ears, and that. There's a lot of theology behind this, and John of the Cross uses it, that he's a doctor. The church says the church has affirmed him. He's a saint. He's a doctor, meaning his teachings are universal. They will not poison you, whether you're a a, a Dominican, a Jesuit, or a Franciscan. Universal teachings. We'll go into that more, and uh, this is just a shorty. Remember, we're going to come back to that wood because that wood is going to, there's two imageries going on. The green wood has to be transformed. That's your soul. For God's sakes, Jesus even asked if it was a pole. He even says, Lord, I don't want this cross. Who in their right mind wants to challenge in the parish the bishop's son? You don't need that, but, you know. When you begin to become transformed and God calls you, Lord, Lord, where do we go? It's the voice of God. And, you know, it is, you don't have a lot of choices if your conscience has been grabbed by God and you see injustice put to death. When you see injustice put to death, that's, that's, that's your Jesus. That's a wound in the church. He continues to be wounded. And, and you know what? They don't want to look at the wound. And they want to continue to go about looking at the polls. The poll says there's no wounds here. The polls will tell you that, hey, there might not even be a God. And your God is as good as the next God. Those are all the isms. We stand against that. We follow a person. His name is Jesus Christ. And what happens is they've ordained mediocre men. They violated that rule a long time ago uh, in 61, the policy, ordained quality, not for quantity. And they violated that. And so now they've got mediocre men. And you have Bishop Salinas Casey standing for how to manage mediocre men. He still manage them. He's a saint. But they kept him as a doorman, the sacraments. He couldn't hear confession. He couldn't speak homilies or whatever. Unjustly so. But at least his, his life is there to show we can do a lot of things with mediocre men. I don't think he was mediocre, but purportedly mediocre. The idea is the process. Just because we have mediocre men doesn't mean that uh, we have to kick them out. You have to destroy them. 
you can harness them. You can put them to work. They can go down in the galley of the ship, the bark of Peter, and start rowing. There's lots of work to do. Think about that. But, you, but you've got God. You pros, processing a, progr, a procession from him is Jesus, who is the procession of truth. And these men don't like the truth. When you stop up the truth, you're stopping Jesus Christ. That it happens to come through the laity. It's the same Jesus, guys. It's the same Jesus. And he's speaking through your experience. It's the same Jesus that you participates in your life. I am in Jesus. Jesus is in me. It's the same Jesus that's participating in the bishop's life. Variety of gifts. And they want to silence Jesus. It's not about silencing individuals. They want to silence Jesus. And that does not go well for your future. If you're a boomer, this becoming holy is the best gift you can give your grandkids and your unborn generations. And we see this in the foundations. You have Teresa Vavla, a woman find, founding an order for men. And they talk about, the saints will talk about how the graces God gives will go down through the centuries to their unborn children, a part of their order. It's the same with you, mom and dads. You have a vocation. You have a domestic church. Your sanctity, you're getting it right. You're defending truth. You're using your voice. Will permeate. Even in heaven, it will permeate. And you'll continue to work to protect your kids. Even those, your grandkids and, your, and what you call your descendants. The little flower said, I go to heaven to do work. There are other, there's a couple other saints since then have gone to heaven to do work. And she'll confirm that work with roses and the smell of roses. She didn't go to heaven to lay off, get, to, to get laid off. You know, go bowling and drink coffee. She's in there working even under this day. And if she's working, her work is chiefly to be service, a capacity for service, knowing and loving. That means Jesus and the Godhead are working behind her. They are active, active in this fight against evil and darkness. And you disperse it with your life. So right now, bishops, just let us exist. Let the voices exist. It's very difficult for a bishop to go in to his spiritual son, and the uh, parish, and we'll, we'll teach you how, how bishops can do that, but to confront them and say, you're a liar. And that, I don't think a lot, of, you're going to get, we'll teach you how to do that. You can say he, he didn't, he wasn't building uh, on, uh, on truth, or he was, he was building on it. There's a lot of ways, and you laity can make it easier for the bishop. We set this up in our letters to the bishop where he doesn't have to do anything. Just forward the letter to the parish priest. We don't, we don't say, hey, you're a liar. We just begin to ask questions makes it very difficult to answer those questions if, you've pre if you're a priest that's pretzeled around the truth. Very difficult. And here's how I see Here's how bishops do it. Uh, our watcher community would suggest this. If you think you've got a lying priest, bishop, don't even be in the chancery. Bring him into the chancery. Have your, your, your one or two, number two and number uh, one guys be in there. Have them be clergy, not laity. You be at home. And they interview him. He's in one room. You already know he's a liar, but you don't have to say anything. You interview him. You go in the other room. You guys that did the interview, you have the priest sit down who you know has lied, but you, you don't want to say he lied. You just ask him questions. But in the, you go in the other room, and then you call the bishop at home. And loud enough so that the guy who's lied can hear you tell the bishop. What? You, you script this. And so the guy hearing the phone says, yes, he lied. He's a liar. You're telling the bishop that. He hears that. There's not a lot he can do, but you've called his bluff and you haven't confronted him, so you keep him, in, you keep him 
working. You keep him in the galley rowing that ship, keep him in the parish working, but you begin to constrain him. You let him know that. That's one way. Now you out there, look, church militant, uh, Michael Voris, Christine Niles, then you've got uh, Hitchborn. You've got a lot of people that, and uh, Randy Engel that are confronting it straight on. They're doing that. But this is another option. So nothing that we say here stops that direct attack on people who lie that wear a collar or a sash or a miter. But that's one way that, that uh, can be successful. It's indirectly. And you, you don't breach anything. What's he going to say? He's sitting there. You know, he now knows that you know, but he really can't because he's not supposed to be listening, right? You're in the other room. He can't, he's not supposed to be eavesdropping on your phone messages, but you make sure he does. He's been playing games with your bishop. You circle the bishop and you do that. Bishop shouldn't even be there, you know, and then he can come and commiserate and cry at the bishop and the bishop can put his, oh, you know, you keep him alive and you keep him working in the vineyard because why? We laity need the sacraments. We need the last rites. The unborn, I've heard this before, well, politics is dirty. You know, I don't think the unborn care how dirty politics is. They just want to live. So you hear what I just said and say, well, that's dirty church politics. I don't think people who are dying that want the last rites for their spouse care how dirty politics is in the church. They want the sacrament applied to their spouse, their children, their loved ones. You got that? So... There's other hounds on that hare that are chasing that. This is war against evil. And you don't know if that liar will convert. You don't know. So in that sense, that's a way to work it out. That's a voice. You can disagree with it. I'm not saying that I'm the expert, but I can tell you what. Those are some feelings that we have in the watcher uh, community in the diocese that we need to work with these people in some circumstances, and we need to work them harder and we need to be able to tell the bishop what we feel. And some of us really have an idea that, look, we just want to report the weather. We just want to exist. We'll get into that later. But all goes into the spiritual direction, and it's contraries. When the contrary of God hits the soul, there's going to be hissing, smoke. It's not going to be comfortable. It's called purgation. It's called purgation. It's the first stage of your love affair with God. All right? Thank you. Thank you, Teresa. I went over my 15 minutes. And uh, and then, uh, John, thanks for all the work that you're doing and everybody else out there that can't be mentioned uh, that support us. And uh, we're going to get a, a something going on here, a, uh, a website. we got two or three things going on. So hang in there. Our Lady of Mount Carmel, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, protector of Carmel. <clears throat> spouse of the mother of God. Pray for us. Protect us. I think Lady of Mount Carmel, pray for us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. That's it for now. <laughs>